Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC Campfires is brought to you by... DSC, Conservation, Education, and Hunter Advocacy. Hornady, Accurate, Deadly, Dependable. Trigicon, Brilliant Aiming Solutions. Ruger, Rugged, Reliable Firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, Calling as Calls Made. Double Nickel Taxidermy, Where Hunting Memories Are Preserved. Taurus, Maker of the Raging Hunter and Other Fine Handguns. Now here's your host, Larry Weissner. Welcome to another episode of DSC's Campfires. And tonight we're truly around a campfire somewhere up in the north, kind of central part of Texas, out west of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I'm here with uh, with Brandon Houston. And we're ha- we had an absolute fantastic hunt. We, we talked last week a little bit about some of the management techniques and all those kind of things about this part of the country. Those are behind us now, and let's talk a little bit about the hunting up here. This is one of those areas that's it's a low-fence operation, big ranch surrounded by big ranch country. It, it is uh, it's vast. It's very, very game-rich. Um, it's loaded with, with tons of predators more hogs than you can shake a stick at unfortunately and a whitetail herd that is thriving very well they're very plentiful and it's been an absolute blast hunting <laughs> except, it, it really ex- has. except for this year which has been the biggest curveball ever <laughs> this is one of those years uh, I, I finished spent a fair amount of time hunting my own property down in Colorado County which is a substantial way from here 
in the times that I've hunted, and I hunted some really good areas, had all kinds of great trail camera photos of at least nice young bucks. There you have to have a, a, a 13-inch inside spread and have at least six points on one side, or if, if but at least a 13-inch spread, and then you can also shoot spikes. But the way it was is I never saw a deer <laughs> during the legal times that I was hunting. I'd, I'd see them driving in before daylight. I'd see them in after dark. But the years that I was hunting, I've never seen a deer during legal shooting times. <laughs> well. So with, with, with coming up here, this is one of those, you thankfully invited me, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate being up here to hunt with you. Not only to hunt with you, but to spend time with you and to to look at some of the management techniques that you've used through your H3 mm-hmm. uh, consulting company in this part of the country. And, and this, to that said, this has always been one of my favorite areas in the state of Texas. In, in terms of it produces deer as good as South Texas does. And generally, 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 you can see them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's parts of it we have to work at, but it's not as bad as South Texas. I mean, we, as you saw and as you see, we have some thick brush. Oh, absolutely. You know, we have some places that we have to do some thinning. Right. To inspire, you know, j- just to get sunlight down and inspire some growth. But <laughs> nothing like South Texas. Um, I, I really, to be honest with you, I, I don't know if I've ever seen country around these parts that, that's like that. It's, it's pretty similar around here. But, it, the, but the topography changes from ranch to ranch. It does. And even within ranch areas. Yeah. The, the, the ranch that we're on here is, is close to Breckenridge area. It's next to... Close to a river, I think a river pretty much kind of surrounds us on at least two, maybe a little So it's it's a totally different habitat from what it is up on top to what you find down at the bottom. Yeah, absolutely. And then on the sides. Yes, as well. sir. Yes, sir. And that that's that's been the that's been the greatest part of this ranch is you drive a mile down the road. Heck, you drive across the fence line up from here to the house, and, and that ranch looked. We're sitting right now. We're pretty flat, you know. Right. It, it's it's oh, yeah. there's not a there's not a bunch of changes here. No. But seventy but, yards behind the house, yes. it drops fifty foot down, and it's a completely different habitat. The like you said, the King River is right there, and I, I believe that in the in the moisture content, and water table height has it's made that completely different. And it's as you've seen it, it looks from this way. Turn around. It is. Yeah. I mean, even where we've been sitting and looking and trying to entice deer to come into us, you look one way to the way you turn around, look way the back way, it looks totally different. Yes, sir. You go probably three, four hundred yards one way or the other, any direction there, and it changes again. So, <laughs> and I and I like that. To me, it's the best thing about white gun. The best thing about consulting is trouble is troubleshooting. And it's, I'm a problem solver. And that's what this place is. Really, to be honest with you, this place is a headache. But <laughs> it's a one rewarding headache. because. But it's rewarding in yes, that sir. fact that you, you, you're trying to figure out what's going on. What can I do here? What can I do there? Yeah. And it's But you're dealing with so many different habitats here. I, I am. And, and they respond differently every single year. You know, depends on how much moisture we get we don't get, you know, or, or how many cattle we graze on this piece of property, um, or, or what doe 
closure work we do, what acts what acts work we do. And everybody responds differently and never massive changes. Sometimes little baby steps go a long ways with Whitetail. And, and that's what we've done. And that's what I'm a firm believer in and and, and I think you've seen the rewards. Well interestingly the first morning we saw quite a few deer. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those situations where we just didn't see the right one. We were looking right. for a particular kind of deer kind of picked up said okay this is one we're going to try to hunt and our several management yes. bucks and we never saw any of those the first morning it, and like i said in the beginning it's been it's been a rough i had probably six six of the 12 bucks i had targeted for the season i have not seen six of those deer i have not seen since the between the 15th and the 20th of october completely gone and they were every day guaranteed deer um the others we have we've successfully taken off one right. of them I, w- the one you just talked about I, I would i really wanted you to be able to harvest that one which 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 we did but it mm-hmm. it took some doing it yeah it, it <laughs> definitely took some doing and i'm not gonna lie i was really kind of going i don't know if this is gonna happen well to, to set the stage we were hunting at a particular blind there's feeders there and you'd seen this deer at the feeder and and sometimes the only way that you're going to be able to harvest deer in this country is around a feeder. Absolutely. And it may not be that they're coming to the feeder themselves, but they're coming to that feeder to check on those. And I kind of think that's kind of what happened in, in our situation. Yeah. Because it, we didn't see anything for a long time. No. I and mean, then, the weatherman kept telling us the wind was going to blow, and it wouldn't blow. <laughs> and it wouldn't blow. And Now, let, before we get into the rest of that, let, let's talk about that a little bit. Because there are times in terms of wind velocity not necessarily direction but wind mm-hmm. velocity that you, you, you've been seeing deer and other times you haven't yes sir i mean i'm a big believer in it i, I can show you time and time again if there is a wind below five miles five miles five miles an hour or lower here you're not going to see deer and it doesn't matter what the pressure is it doesn't matter if it's sky high or in the floor low right it doesn't matter if get those rainy rainy overcast days if there is not a wind over five miles an hour these deer won't move but oddly they will move once the sun as you saw yesterday morning as the sun hits the landscape yeah for whatever reason that's when they'll move yeah but they won't move before then you may you you, we may catch one heading somewhere like your outskirts moving through the brush always individuals that's the some of those deer that that are not going to just like with people there's some that weren't foul or follow a certain pattern or they won't follow a certain trend maybe okay so yeah, they're they're all weird in their own, their own place but you know other ranches can be different and what was interesting about when you mentioned that when we were hunting is the fact that you said deer really don't move when there's less than hardly any wind and I hadn't thought about it, but I'd been hunting mule deer out, in, out west and north of here. And basically, that was the same way. And the whitetail deer are there as well, too. But we really didn't see a whole lot. Now, the, the kicker in the deal was is we were able to call those deer. And that made the difference. But here, we we rattled one morning. We did. We did. What did we rattle up? What did I rattle up? <laughs> one of the most gorgeous red Angus bulls I've ever seen in my life. And it, I don't know if he was responding to the horns or if he was responding to the 
Why is he in the drunk hall? Because <laughs> he was mimicking you at every step it, he took. He was. It was absolutely fabulous. And that we rattled up a coyote as well, too. Beautiful coyote. And it came in, and then I thought we actually had a buck coming in. It was another coyote because it had already crossed the load. But that bull, every time he was just coming in like a white-tailed buck would come. Absolutely. I mean, he was responding right to you. And he was vocal and all those kind of things. We just kind of kept playing it up. And finally, he stops right across the fence. Thankfully, there was a fence there because otherwise, he might have come yep. tried to join us. He might have run us flat over. You piqued his curiosity, definitely. That was, that was very interesting to see. I bet you I rattled back there 500 times, and, and that's never happened. You've never rattled up a bull no, like that? No, sir, I have not. No, sir, I can say I have not. Well, over the years, I've rattled up everything from people to game wardens to deer, <laughs> coyotes, bobcats, mountain lion, cattle. I was on a place uh, last year, and we hit the horns together, and there were like cows that charged in just like you. I mean, they were drooling. They were doing everything bug-eyed. You know, only problem was they had horns, true horns instead of antlers. Yep. And, uh, and we got them within about five, six steps of us. They they charge in just like a white-tailed deer should do in those instances, and, then, and of course this morning the this bull did the same thing kind of thing. But to me, that's one of the fun things of rattling. You never know sure what's going to show up. We've had the coyotes as we, we talked about, and in this instance, a, a big bull to where he probably weighed close to two thousand pounds. That may be the biggest thing I've rattled in. Well, I'm glad I could present that for you. <laughs> he was he was definitely big. He, he, he was he definitely big. To know what was going on? And he, he did. He responded like you would hope a white-tailed deer would do. So you, you never know what's going to come in in those situations when you get rattled. But it, it's been, been really interesting. We talked about I did shoot a deer, and we did shoot a deer that we that you had targeted for mm -hmm. us as well to a really nice ten-point, an older age buck that um, was out of this world as far as I'm concerned. But he didn't come in until really late. I was, I was, I was really wondering if we were going to get skunked. It's, it, I was it's, too. This year, like I've said, I, I've had more things happen this year that has never happened. You know, and, and to sit in a stand and get to that almost not shooting light right. before you see a deer, I, I was getting nervous. And, and but. He, he did not read the script. I, I guess he did not get my memo. That deer has been, I mean, I even told you, you know, I, I sat down there just to keep tabs on him. Right. I sat down there for a week straight and had him. Okay, great. He's an afternoon, or I'm sorry, he's a morning buck. He's going to be in there. Right. This is going to be great. We can get Larry on him. First rattle out of the box, the pressure will be off. We can spend the rest of the time. We look for dogs. We we'll look for yeah. We'll yeah. play around and all that. I was looking forward to having the pressure completely off. We can, we can. Well, I know you appreciate habitat, the beauty of habitat. Oh, we'll absolutely. Go, we'll go look at that. We'll go rattle. We'll, we'll go call some some coyotes or something. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> What's that saying that that you said? White-tailed deer being white-tailed deer, yep. they can be the most endearing, they can be the most aggravating, and the most frustrating pretty much all in the same day. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Because at the very last light, as far as, I mean, we had plenty of shoot, uh, legal shooting light. It wasn't that because here in Texas, the uh, season, 
or the legal shooting times are a half hour after sunset. But of course, we were trying to film this also for a sportsman's life, so we we're dealing with with camera light situation. And I was to the point to where I'm going. It's probably not going to happen today. And then what happened? Well, I, I think if I recall that, I, I had mumbled to you, I don't know what's going on. You did. First time in my life, I'm not liking it. <laughs> I and don't it was like it all. Larry, I don't think it was five minutes. And I yeah. was, you said, there's a dove. Yeah. And, and she came in, and it, she had her head down. And I'm over there looking at her hawks because I'm like, yes. she had her head down. There's yeah. got to be a buck behind her. And you made that comment. Yeah. Because when I first saw her, I wasn't sure. She was way back off of the brush. And I wasn't sure it was a deer or a bird to where I just got a you know flick of a, of a wing or something like that. And very immediately that I could tell it was a doe. And she came in at a dead run. And you're right. Her head was down. And, and I that, knew something was up. Right. And so I just, as soon as she got there, I zoned in on those hawks, and it wasn't. I said, I think I said to you, "There's got to be a buck in there." You said, "Yeah," or you may not even say anything because I think the next word out of your mouth was, "There he is." There he is. That that's, like, that's exactly what happened. It was like the world came <laughs> off my shoulder. I'm like, "Thank you." At least we got to lay eyes on him. So. But and, and not only was it a buck, it was a buck we yes, were actually sir. looking for. Ah, uh, yes, sir. It didn't seem to happen that often. Yes, sir. The the buck comes in, and he's with a doe, and. Again, we filmed it. You filmed it for us for a sportsman's life, so people will be able to see it on on Carbon TV before too very long. And we'll make sure that people know where that episode happens. The deer comes in, and it comes into the feeder pen. And of course, in Texas, we can legally bait. And this doe ran into it. And I don't think she was there really to, to eat. I think she just ran into that was in her path. Kind I of think thing. so. And we got ready, and, and initially I was going to try to shoot her with a Taurus pistol, but by then it was already fairly late to where I really couldn't see the sights like I wanted to, and the animal too. So I told you, I said, I'm going to switch to the rifle very quickly. I switched to the rifle, and bang. <laughs> the love of, of Texas feeder pins, <laughs> all going back to the pesky hogs, almost, almost got us that. I'll, it it almost got us because when I shot, it looked like I shot at this deer. Because there was dust coming off the ground behind him in front of him. And he, he jumps out of the pen and uh, he, 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 he heads out. We were also trying to harvest the doe, mm -hmm. thankfully. And she goes, because you don't put hardly any pressure on it, she didn't know what was going on. She jumped outside the pen and, and gave me a good shoulder shot, and I, and I put her down. And thinking that we had hit this deer, which, as it worked out, we actually did, but couldn't quite figure out what was going on with, with, with shrapnel going on all over the place. We followed this deer immediately, and, and thank God we did. But yes. uh, he didn't go very far, and apparently they, they, I was shooting a, a 280, a uh, Remington 700, of course, top with the Trigicon scope, uh, with the Huron scope, but also shooting 150 grain ELDX Precision Hunter. And I'm really glad I did because, for whatever reason, we shot little shrapnel pieces all over the place, but evidently one of them ended up in the heart and lung area because that buck actually did not go very far, maybe 75 yards where we found him. Maybe. But, I mean, I think I told you this earlier. In, in, in my time, that, is, that unfortunate situation has happened 
six times with you being the sixth. All five were somebody nicked or hit dead on to that, that, that the top of that pin. It was not a harvested animal. It was an animal that ran off and never got touched. So Hornady is doing something incredible <laughs> because I can officially stand up and say that even if something is in the way of a Hornady bullet and it fragments, it will still kill that animal. It will still kill a deer. I, we we I, proved it. it. Thing to see, because in the footage it looks like you shot over the top of his neck. It looks like I shot over the top of his underneath neck, underneath his chin, underneath his chin, and to to the left, to the right. <laughs> I think when I slowed down the footage, I found at least six different spots that I hit. And when I shot, it was like there was dust coming up everywhere, and I wasn't quite sure, you know, what the deal yeah. was. And uh, of course, like I said, the doe jumped out, and he said, "Hey, he said you want to shoot a doe?" Which absolutely, because the meat on these deer up here is fantastic, and uh, absolutely. So I shot the doe, dropped the doe, and we thankfully immediately went and looked for it. I'm glad we did. We did that. But, but thankfully, he didn't go very far. And as you mentioned, and got up there, and sure enough, I mean, it is no doubt luck that you really kind of targeted. And I was glad to see him come in there. I couldn't think of a better person to kill that animal. Well, you. you're very kind because he's a very special deer, as far as I'm concerned. I'm happy you, I'm happy you like him. I'm happy. Oh, I love you. I love you. It, it was. It was one of the. What, to me, what made it better was the whole pin situation. As crazy as it was, it, it was neat to say, see that happen. Oh yeah. You know, it really I mean, was. Would I want to do it again? No. <laughs> no. Like I said, I've seen five guys out here do it, but not ever turned out like that ever thank, and, and, thank goodness and you and i did. get to come back shaking hands and celebrate and and you can go home with with a lot of good venison and some some nice horns absolutely an absolutely great set of antlers and the, the deer in this the deer in this area is such a pretty cape this deer had a relatively light forehead and then the bridge of his nose and the muzzle was really dark somewhat similar sometimes to what i've seen up north up Although up there, generally it's it's a it's a grayish muzzle and then a really dark kind of russet forehead. But this one was kind of on the on the, on the uh, uh, almost blonde side. Yeah, well, we I don't know if it's I noticed it when I when I noticed we weren't getting any rain when we started getting real dry. But I've noticed more color changes in the coats of my whitetail out here than I've ever noticed. I mean. We, I showed you, you showed me some 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 trail yeah. camera pictures of some bucks that were truly interesting in terms of, of peelage, if you will. Yeah, it, they look they look like they're almost like a chameleon. I mean, even 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 your buck. I yeah, mean, there's splashes of red all over him. Yeah, and, or that young buck who is almost as red as the dirt out here, but his front quarters are gray, and then at the front of the front quarter, he goes back to red again. But the top of his head, where his preorbital is, is gray again. It's he's gorgeous, but it, I've never seen that out here. If I go back and look at every photo of every white tail we've harvested off this place, and, and that's one of the cool things as far as the trail camera pictures you're getting, but also the harvest pictures that you're getting, kind of thing. In in the last episode of this, we talked a little bit about TRHP uh, Outdoors. Yes, sir. And the, the products that you use. And, of course, I'm a firm believer in, in their products, but also in the Scent Guardian to where uh, I, used to, I still play the wind. I don't have to. It, really, we don't have to. Whatever that product does, it destroys the human odor. And, I mean, I'll, I spray it on my hat, on my boots, on my gloves, and what you would think would accumulate a fair amount of uh, uh, human odor and then of course and yet we've never had a 
years and started using this. I know you, you know, I've talked about it as well too. We've never had a deer actually smell us. Now there are times we had a deer come in this afternoon and we went back to look for a management buck. We had a really nice eight-pound buck, probably a probably a four-year-old deer that will turn into an absolute monster in time. But he he looked in our direction, but it was he did not pay any attention to us. He was where we were sitting. He was looking at something to our left, and you know we kind of conjectured. Well, maybe it was a coyote. And go well, there's see coyotes all the time. Bobcats do, and I think we finally came up with the idea. In this instance, he was either looking at a hog, or there was a mock scrape that you'd set up over in that area, and I think he was probably smelling it because the way the wind was blowing from that direction. What I've noticed out here is, you know, because our ground thermal is so thick. These coyotes can hide everywhere. Oh yeah, and and, and these these deer out here, I've seen I've seen the coyotes almost run right up to the feeder pen. And those deer, they just don't run from them. Yeah, they'll they'll get a little giddy if a real big hog comes around the feeder pen or a, or yeah. a cow. We knew that that wasn't the case. No, no. And we had just sprayed the tarsal passion. Yeah. And the only time, even before my time at TRHP, whenever I, whenever I'd have a nice buck like that come in, and he would start looking around or, or hone in on something and get real nervous, it was always because there was something mature where I couldn't see it, and it eventually showed itself. Yeah, right. So exactly. as we sat there, we know that there was nothing. We could see in the area right. he was looking. But what the one thing that was in the area that he was looking is where you and I had treated tarsal. What passion. he was smelling, yeah. And he was smelling a buck that he knew was way bigger than he was. <laughs> he he had fought more fights than that little guy had, and, and he wasn't. He he just he knew I'm a, I'm I don't think I'm supposed to be here. Yeah, I, I'm in somebody else's kitchen. I better get out. And get exactly what he did. I, I think it's exactly what happened because. I mean, we—you you could tell there were, there were no other deer over there, were no cattle, there were no hogs, there were no obviously no cows as well either. But he was really concentrating on that area. Both you could tell with his nose because how he was working his nose, he was watching, he was also listening. His ears were forward, like well, he was. There's got to be something missed off to to our left and his right. Had his attention, and the only thing that was there was that. I think we could have hung out of that stand and waved at him, and he wouldn't have cared. No, he wouldn't have cared. Because he was so focused on what was to the left of us. He was. And like you said, his ears were pin forwards. That that pure alert. He was, I mean, licking his nose just just working. And and I think that was the fact that he was trying to know more of what's really going on. In in an early in the early one we did the one we did last week, we talked too about outdoors and the beauty of these these are gland based they're not urine based uh, I, I'm not a big fan of urine based stuff because yes, I can produce the same kind of urine and, and I, I do I, I frankly I pee in every scrape that I run through uh, and it and after just 30 seconds or less they can't tell anything whether it's human urine or whether it's deer urine and they, I think they can smell the ammonia and the, the uric acid kind of thing but with using the uh, we talked about earlier and I think it's worthwhile mentioning here again is that you feel like you're holding bucks on your property by setting up the mock scrapes and using the TRHP outdoor products I absolutely know I am I know it for a fact and, and of course this is this is I, I'm still new with TRHP um, 
language, you you can't. There's no room for error. No, no, there isn't. But but like we talked last week, I, I have I I pulled in a 48 hour time frame, six bucks to come to this ranch in August, working a scrape, something I've never done, right? Something that I've never found, and those deer are here to this day, and. They're still to this day popping up in front of those cameras on, on those mock scrapes. And, and there's new so scrapes cool. showing up. There's been more rubs. And you've, we've, oh my we've looked at a and, few. And they're I, still rubbing like crazy. Oh and, and by now they've started really slowing down. And, and, I, and I, like I told you, I just decided one day when we, when we went from the rubs that were for velvet shedding right. to the rubs for territory, right. I just, every one of them I could find, I'd go up my spread and pre-orbital on it. And it's funny when you come back the next day or two days later, you find that rub, and then all you look around, and you know they stand out like sore thumbs. Oh yeah, there's one. There's one. There's, there's one. another like, one. This is not a coincidence. No, no, no. It's no. not a coincidence. No, 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 no. This no. brush is so thick that I mean, good luck finding scrapes. Absolutely. And, and even rubs. I mean, unless we're just you're lucky enough that that sun hits it right. I've I've got more now that we could drive for less than 30 seconds on these roads and I could at least show you 15. You saw it you, yourself. You, you, we, we, we looked at it today. We, we made a little bit of tour of the ranch and including some of the areas that you normally don't hunt, which once I looked at them, go, oh my God, this is that's one of the most beautiful habitat I've ever seen for this type of habitat in this part of the world. And you, you, you can't imagine, even though you're not necessarily seeing them, but you can imagine this almost 200 class type antlered buck standing there looking around one of those big old bull mesquites that are just about 15 16 18 inches in diameter kind of thing and it's and there's no doubt in my mind that if they're not already here with what you're doing they're you you will be you will be producing those kind of deer well and, and like we talked today earlier there's a lot of this property that could be hunted yeah and, and you're just, not going into it's it's your sanctuary it's their sanctuary yeah and because of the the, di- the differences in the front section of the ranch and the back with the habitat as you've seen in the river. I've never seen a piece of property throw me, throw me a curveball the way this one does every single year. And guess what? I'm about to go into another curveball because yes. I'm going into another winter with no moisture. Yeah. And so yeah. W- w- that's 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 going to be something else. But I, I, that's why I've been very cautious. As we've been kind of kicking around a little bit and, and walking and driving and going to different deer stands, there is a fair amount of green stuff coming up right, right now, and it's probably because of the water table that we have now based upon the rainfall, but the, the other thing is, this property does, it's, it's grazed by cattle, yes, sir. but it's apparently not overgrazed. No, sir, not at all. We, we'll hold more, we'll graze more cattle in the spring. Yeah. And, and like this time of year, I think there's 25 head on it. And yeah, I was going to say, we just barely have seen cattle, and, and so to me, all that's part of the overall management program. And where I'm going with all this is you do a fair amount of consulting work. Tell me about your consulting company, and, and tell me about how somebody wants to get in touch with you. Uh, and it's not just Texas you work, because we were talking earlier, you were talking about some of the Midwestern states as well. But tell me a little bit about your consulting service and, and your philosophies, if you will, and then, too, of course, how somebody can get in touch with you. Well, well the website the website should be done within the next 10 days. I, I, I wanted a, a, a website that was pretty interactive with people Good. and could give them a grasp of, of who we are and who I am. Right. Um, 
I, I first and foremost, I do this because it's what I absolutely love. It's what makes every hair on my uh, on my body stand up. <laughs> um, the clients that I have, you can ask them. When you become my client, your animals are mine. Right. And I will lose sleep over your animals. Right. Um, but I love to see people achieve goals, and I love to help people. That's 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 what my heart is. And, it's and it's very obvious after spending time around you. I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I love I love ranches and I love farms and, and I love the problem solving. I, I love the curveballs that we get thrown, and each property is different, as you know. Amen. I mean, you've been doing this for a long, long time, and you know, not one property is the same. No, and and oftentimes within that property, you've got several different types of habitat, several different types of terrain, and yeah. and to the point even of being several different kinds of deer herds. Yes, absolutely, and, and each one of them is different. Yes, sir. Just like we're different. Absolutely. And, and so, absolutely. What I wanted to do was was I don't have packages. We don't have. We don't have. Okay, here's package A, B, B, and C. Right. I want to meet with you. I want to sit down with you, and I want I want to talk to you. I, I want to know. Give me the history of the property. Tell me what's going on. How long have you owned it? But but also, there's a lot of guys that don't own property but have long term leases on property. Absolutely, yes. That sir. they want to make. They want to grow deer. Right. And but they don't own the property. Well. Why can't people worry and help them to, you know, there's there's a lot of guys I know that have very good relationships with ranchers, and they'll have 10, 20, 30-year contracts or lifetime contracts yes, with these sir. people. So I have a couple clients like that. You know, they just want to have a lease and, and grow big deer, but I want to I want to do what you want. I, I want to build it the way you want it. Um, I, I'm a big believer in work the habitat first. We, we've talked about that a lot. You and I have talked about that a bunch, and I, that's always been my deal too. Is, yep. is let's improve the habitat. Let's let's go with what we have. Yes. And in, in talking about the deer herd, let's see what that deer herd can produce. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times I've, over the years, I've seen people go, "Well, we're going to shoot every deer on this property, and we're going to bring out." You know what? They had better deer to start with than what they brought in. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, your buddy Luke asked me one time. He said. What's the very first thing you do? Right. And I, and I told him, I said, the very first thing I do is evaluate water and evaluate habitat. As much as I want to know all the facts and everything that's going oh, yeah. on, what you think, I need to know that. But I put it out of my mind. Because I, I, I want to start and look tell you what my opinion is and what I think that we need to do. Right. And that's and, based upon years of experience of trying different things. Correct. And and having good people to mentor. And, and, and to this day, people that I can call and talk to. You know, I'm a Texas guy. There's no denying that. And yes, as you as you said, I have I have some farms in the Midwest that we work with. Uh, a couple of there's two in Indiana, and uh, we're signing a new one a new one on in Minnesota this year. We've got one in Michigan. Cool. Uh, and that's a total different habitat. Oh, it, it is. Yes, it's sir. A, t- a total different herd. Everything is different. And so, you know. Having contacts up there, having resources in that part of the country, fellow biologists and ecologists that we can work with, even nutritionists for that type of range, you know, up there, it's predominantly the fields. Yep. You know, they're not putting thousand pound protein feeders out. No, you know, they're not. No. They don't have the, the chicories and the, they don't have all the stuff that we have here. So we have to work with it differently up there. And I like to use to build relationships with people who can partner with me and go to those and, and help those people um, I've got a great guy two or three guys in the Midwest that will be hands on with my Midwestern clients 
Fantastic. Um, Good. Because I'm a believer in that. I, 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 it, it's not a. It's about building relationships with people, and that's what this was 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 for. I, I I want to be able to see people achieve their goals. Number one, even no matter what it is with their wildlife and their habitat, and I want to see people smile because not everybody wants. Not, not everybody cares about the hunting side of it. I've got a client that we worked their herd because, like he tells me. His wife, all she wants is when she walks, when she drives that property, she just wants to see big, healthy deer. That's what healthy she deer. says. Yeah. Just make sure my deer are big and make sure they're healthy, and I'll always be happy. Hey, you got it. Absolutely. You've got it. <laughs> what, a, what a great situation <laughs> to deal with. Yeah. And so we just, it, I, it's probably more personal than any, but most people. I'm a personal person. I, I want to get to know you. Again, right. To me, it's about relationships. It's about I want them to trust me, and I want to trust them. And 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 to be frank, I don't take on everybody. I, I some some people are not willing to, to listen. You know that you know, well, because there me, is some people. They're they're too much into the immediacy. You know, I want to have the biggest possible ever, but I want it next year. Yeah, <laughs> and, and don't and, get and, me wrong. There are times where you have to bring in genetics. Sure, there that, there can be times like that, but. I think you have to give it your all before you make that decision. Let, let's see if we got. The, we may have the best possible there is, yeah. but you'll never know until you start improving the habitat and giving those deer a chance to get some age on them, and a, you know, and a few other type of things. But uh, you're exactly right. And you know, high fence or low fence, it doesn't matter. No, I, I'm not one who frowns upon bringing in genetics, and I'm not one who frowns upon a high fence. I think it all can be done the right way, but in certain situations, I I do not. I do not like we're going to buy a high fence and we're not even going to look at anything. We're just going to go start buying stalker, stalker deer. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not the guy for you. No, no, no. That, I that's the way I always was, too. I, to me, you know, you got to put forth an effort. I'm not looking to build fast food deer. I'm looking for the people who are building for the long haul, for the people who truly, genuinely care about what, what's there. I mean, whether you're in Texas or Oklahoma or, or Minnesota, you know, let, let's grow Absolutely. Let's let let's make them healthier than they've ever been, and and Mother Nature is going to provide that for you. We just yes. may have to help her a little bit, but then also, you know, bridging that gap in those harsh times, like right now. Yeah. You know, having that gap of good nutrition and and, and good supplemental feed is when when they need it, and, and but always the habitat, always. Always comes down to habitat. It really does. That to me has always been the key and. The beauty of it is, is when you start improving the habitat for white-tailed deer, you improve it for songbirds, you improve it for all the other little critters that are there, and, and more importantly, so very often, or all the time, if you do that, you improve the habitat, and you improve the vegetation, and that's bottom line. It starts with the soil, goes to the vegetation, that's where it begins with. Well, I tell my clients all the time, when we do habitat work on your ranch, we're not just helping your deer. No, no, it's you're helping butterflies, songbirds. Everything. They benefit generally a whole lot more than than what the white-tailed deer do in those situations. And it's art to me. It's art. It's it's a love. And I'm, I'm glad you bring up the art. The fact that it, it is an art. It is an art of production. And and to me, an art is taking various regimens from various scientific fields and being able to combine them in the right combination. That's where the art comes in. And when you do that, things happen, and happen in a good way. Yeah, and and, and those 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 of us out there that see it that way, it's 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 almost like these ranches 
are clay, and, and we're molding them. That's we're, that's we're, a good description. We're molding them. absolutely. That's and a great description. You know, like we talked we talked today when we were up on top of the ridge and looking down. I said, you know, if if you look at this country and you love habitat, then you can see the beauty within within it. But when you look at it and you you think about the management, the sculpt you know, when you get to brush sculpting when you and all that stuff, right? It's just like trimming a beard. <laughs> it's, it's just like trimming a beard to me. It's you can make it beautiful, or you can totally right. just go, oh no, just cut it off. <laughs> but I'm a firm believer in habitat is, is start simple. That's that's where it starts. You're right. It takes years for that stuff to come back if you go too far. Yeah. And yeah. so for those people out there who are. I highly recommend you consult somebody before you make some drastic changes because remember, little things are big to deer. Little things are big to deer, and little things expand over a period of time to where it can have either a, a great effect in a positive manner or it can have a great effect in a, in a negative manner. And I always, I always tell people you can you can impact them or you can defect them, affect them. Again, you know, a, a good way to describe things. it. Exactly. So, and we want to we want to impact them. And, and, and give them a benefit. We don't want to affect the deer. We no. don't want to affect the non-native species that you have. We don't want to affect the, the, anything. You know, we 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 are there to advance the habitat, advance the wildlife. And it's not. It's really not done by big strides. To be honest, those no, little things that you do, you're exactly right. Well, like in South Texas, though, you know that's different. You know, you yeah. may have to take a bulldozer and go right through the center of certain <laughs> things and strip it and thin it out, but. You know, that's, but even those strides, really, in, in all actuality, especially to those guys that have been around for years in South Texas that are just, you know, in my opinion, pioneers, you know, but even even as, as great as that looks, and it's big, and it's like, wow, you just changed everything, those really still are small, because are. with everything in South Texas, there's a lot of moving parts besides you just those are knocking trees down. Absolutely. So it's, it's really, in that aspect, it's small, too. It is. It is, Brandon. It's been so much fun spending time with you. It, it's. It, I felt like being here. We've been friends for years. Yes, sir. And I look forward to many more conversations here, as far as the yeah. podcast is concerned, but also in some other ways. It, if somebody's interested in getting in touch with you, what's what's the best way to do so? The, the best way to do is is to is to give me a call. Uh, my number is two one four three nine nine. 7201. Do you mind repeating that one more time? It's 214-399-7201. Or you can email me at growem, G-R-O-W-E-M, at h3whitetailsolutions.com. The website will be h3whitetailsolutions.com. And like I said, there's a a page. If you go to that right now, it it has the email. It has a phone number. Perfect. It's a landing page, and it'll be live with the the live portal. I'm hoping within within the next, right before Christmas, is what what we're shooting for right now. Okay. Well, this will come out after Christmas probably, so uh, by the time this airs, you will have a website up, and they'll be able to get that. A whole lot easier than even before. And, And I tell people all the time. Even if you're not ready to pull the trigger and hire a consultant, don't ever be afraid to pick up the phone and call me. Because the one thing you can always do to make me happy is, is call me and let's talk habitat and let's talk whitetail. <laughs> I'll always, I'll probably talk more than I should and give you more things than I should, if, especially if I'm trying to retain you as a client, but I don't care. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like to talk about it. So, you know what, you don't have to want to hire me to call me. 
just give me a call. Let's talk. Shoot me a message on Instagram. You know, shoot me an email. I love, I love this, and I love to help people. And so, I, you'll always get my full attention. I, I love it. We, I know that you're involved as a member of DSC and and Texas Wildlife Association as well, too, which are two absolutely great organizations. Fantastic but, uh, organizations. Hopefully, there'll be an opportunity to, if you happen to be at the DSC uh, convention this year, January 6th through the 9th, they'll have an opportunity to visit with you. And if not, they'll have the website that they can go to. Yep. They're, in my opinion, two of the greatest conservationist organizations on the face of the planet. I tend to agree with you. Yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> TWA is, is fantastic, too. DSC is fantastic. And, and, and it's an honor to support them. And, I agree. And, and as things evolve and grow, I will continue that contribution without fail. Even Larry Wise on the side. It's what they stand for, what they represent, and what they're doing is, is everything that we as hunters and conservationists need, period. I totally, totally agree. I want to thank you so much for joining me or allowing me to join you this evening sitting around a real campfire up here around Breckenridge, Texas. And I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed <coughs> spending time with you out in the field and the hunting that we've done. And look forward to doing a little bit more. We'll be back a little bit oh, later yeah. maybe on. and get uh, my old buddy Luke Clayton and Jeff Rice out here and Gary Robertson and see if we can't call a predator and maybe shoot a hog. Oh, it'll really be fun then. I agree. Especially with that group. Oh, that group especially. Ladies and gentlemen, thank y'all so much for joining us today and we look forward to seeing you right back here around the DSC campfire next week. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfires. DSC Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by the Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. TRHP Outdoors. Kenetrek Boots for the trails less traveled. Voight, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air for all things air gun. And Ripcord, rescue travel protection. <laughs>